Is it the pursuit of excellence or an escape? This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. And on this episode of the podcast, we have Chris Scott. Chris is a legendary parkour strength and mobility coach, best known for his viral video of yeeting himself off a 10-foot high box and not only surviving, but thriving. And on this episode of the podcast, Chris takes us down the rabbit hole of how he does just that. His approach to training for parkour, plyometrics, and just becoming an overall freak of a human. Chris's knowledge and approach was truly inspiring and beyond educational. And I hope you guys get as much out of this podcast as I did. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. Hello, Coach. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you doing? Good, good, good. We just ripped for a lot. What are we, we ripped for like 20 minutes almost about yeah. some parkour and some training. So I'm excited. This is going to be a good one. So, uh, Found you through, well, Chad Chili one recommended you. He said that like, you've been doing a lot of really good stuff for a long time. And that dude's a stone cold stud. We talked for like three hours on our pod. It was, you, you, you did, dude knows training. Uh, so if you're getting a recommendation from him, that's good. And then uh, you popped up on Instagram when you're doing this like 96 inch uh, depth drop that kind of blew up, uh, uh, blew up the world of training. So tell <laughs> listeners how you got to the points of getting to a 96 inch depth drop and not so much physically, not so much the program, but how you got to the, the, the thought process into which it's okay. Because as you saw, once you posted that, the traditional world of training and the traditional world of people look at that and I'm like, oh my God, that's physically impossible. Oh my God, you're going to get hurt. So how have you got to the point in your training model, in your, your, your thought process and philosophy of training to where that is okay and that's something that is realistic and doable and a good training stimulus for you? So uh, that's mostly down to 15 years of parkour training. Um, before that, so I'm, I'm from England. Uh, before that, I grew um, as a, like a sporty kid, uh, tried a bit of everything, played a lot of football, soccer for you. Um, but yeah, it was big into my football, but gradually cared less about that. Parkour came about. Um, I didn't start when I first discovered it, but um, there was a documentary early days uh, 2003 and um, that I saw and that was the documentary that broke parkour out of France for the first time um was that run Britain um, or which 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 um, one was that jump Britain jump Britain yeah my intern was just talking about that today he was yeah. saying I gotta ask you about it 
I think it was Jump London first, Jump London, then Jump Britain. But yeah, either way, my introduction was to that. I was fascinated by that. Grew up on Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, did a little bit of martial arts as a kid as well. Um, so when I saw parkour, it was like, that is the thing that I want to do. Um, took a few years to get into it, but started training parkour. Wasn't naturally gifted. Um, wasn't terrible, but not uh, not great either. Took me a while. I picked up the acrobatic side of things much quicker. I was young, I didn't have much fear, so I, I learned all that stuff. Um, yeah, I guess dropping off something high isn't that scary when you can maneuver your body in much more difficult, scary ways. Um, like I have fear, a lot of fear <laughs> in certain things. Just that's so simple, so controlled, and it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, through training for parkour, uh, I started to want to know more about strength training. So at this point, I've got like 10 years of yeah training in the gym. Obviously, when everyone starts, they don't know what they're doing at first, and it's probably pretty ineffective, but it all adds up. Um, yeah, so 15 years of jumping on concrete, 10 plus years, well, no, 10 years of squatting, uh, deadlifting, doing all the traditional lifts, kind of getting stronger. Um, and then as the sport's grown and progressed, what's possible, just like, yeah, I've definitely got a skewed perspective of what's possible because in parkour, there, there are things that happen that in other sport, like there aren't other athletes that can, can recreate uh, what happens in parkour. And I see that day in, day out. So yeah, uh, uh, a moderately high drop in my mind blows people's uh other people's minds completely um which was interesting to see <laughs> yeah and that, that's what we were talking about a little bit before is like this the two different kind of realities especially and, and and i get to see it too so it's not only like just parkour and um and traditional training but it's also like uh like parkour versus the traditional like american training which is like so far like these these two things could not be more far apart it's like lift as much weight as possible um, do some metrics like everything has to be basically in this like brick wall this mortar and you have this parkour thing where you're watching people do training and get like these ridiculous stimuluses by falling and doing these depth drops and these plyometric type movements in extremely like technical and tactical ways and like you have the american coach that it's just like they can't wrap their brain around it because it is such a different reality like it's it is such a different reality that they've never seen before if they they haven't exposed themselves to it Absolutely. Um, something that I find very interesting is what young kids are getting up to in parkour um, with no ill effects as well. Obviously, people do get injured and that, like, knees can be an issue in parkour, um, but it's mostly the ridiculously high volumes of jumping on concrete. Like, it's not regulated at all. People just do it for fun and keep going and keep going, keep going. Um, it showed me how resilient the body is because people who aren't prepared get away with an awful lot just because they're doing it for fun. They're not thinking about, is this good or bad for me? They're just going, I like doing this. So they don't stop. And they do insane amounts. Um, so yeah, that's something that Park was definitely showing me that just at baseline, the human's pretty resilient, even without any training. And, and that, that that's something too. It's like, it, one of the things that you saw on your your post was like everybody blowing up about like knees like you're gonna blow out your knees you're gonna blow out your knees mm -hmm. and like knees are an issue in parkour is something that i hear all the time it's like 
Uh, knees are also pretty much an issue in any sport that you do, anything cool that you do. And knees can also be an issue if you don't play any sports. I have a grandpa that's having knee surgery and he's like, he's never played a sport in his life. It's literally just construction in life, you know? So it's like, uh, we like apply, it's like, we see something, we see this big thing and it's like, oh, that's going to lead to problems. So it's like, okay, all these other data points are also showing us like, it, it, it's like at some point, just something, something can happen. Like something back, something, it could be a freak injury. It could just be like you said, like repetition over repetition over repetition. Like they think my grandpa's because he's just done construction. He's been kneeling on, kneeling on it over and over and over and over again. But at some point, something bad had happened, but you can't sit there and like bubble wrap your life and never do anything because something could happen. You know, and when you do bubble wrap your life, you kind of sit in that sense of now things can actually happen to you because you are unprepared. Exactly. It doesn't even cross my mind. Um, am I going to get injured? I'm not, I'm not wondering about, is this bad for me? Because like you say, think, uh, people, how many 70, 80 year olds um, get hip replacements, get knee replacements. So it's a lot of people. All my grandparents were dead before 75. Um, so they didn't even have to worry about it. They were literally dead. They didn't have to worry about sore knees um, in their old age because they didn't survive to that age. Um, so I'm not slightly concerned about, yeah, okay, if I if I do uh, develop some knee issues, okay, <laughs> like, and um, I've had fun doing things that I like, I've progressed, I, I've uh, developed myself in a way that I found very beneficial in my life, um is how I make a living. Um that's better than blowing out your knees for construction work, yeah. isn't it? Um I get to do what I like to do as for a living. Um but on the flip side, I don't think at all that I'm I'm damaging my body. Um I'm so sure of that. I guess I, I can't say a hundred percent, but I'm so sure of that. Um because I know for a fact I'm more resilient than a lot of people simply because of the stresses I've placed upon it uh, on my body. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't even cross my mind about not the risk. There's always risk involved in everything I do. And I, I think I've become through parkour, you become good at assessing risk. You can accurately identify when something probably isn't a, a good decision. Occasionally it goes wrong more often than not, it doesn't. Um, so yeah, I've got a skewed perspective, but I think skewed to more accurate than less accurate um so i don't doubt my judgment for a second that i'm, I'm good i'm all good doing what i'm doing um, yeah and and i think there's a couple pieces there too and one of the, it made me think of when you when you were talking about how it, like you you've been programming some of the depth drops too and it was like a night the last one that you programmed was like a 92 inch and now it's a 96 inch it made me think of uh columns thing where he talked about like people will comment on his parkour stuff and be like you're an idiot for doing this you're gonna he's like i've been doing i've been mapping out this route for six months you know like i've been meticulously doing every single step of this for six months so it's not something that's just randomly thrown off and like your body's not prepared for so like i because I think there's that side of it too. It's not just completely random like thing that you're just doing out of nowhere, throwing it out there, just being a jackass pretty much. And then you also have the side of it is where it's like, you are able to do some of the random because you have a lot of the order in place, which I which I think is a lot of really cool stuff too. It's like you're, you're building up this resilience kind of body through the stimulus that you are you have you have like a little bit of order to your stimulus that you're applying you went from the 92 to the 96 and you're progressing a lot of stuff i saw your deadlift uh progression as well but 
you you have this ordered sense of stimulus applied to the body so your body is resilient so it is able to handle the chaos when it's prepared for the chaos but it's also it's not this sense of just throwing your body to to just random chaos yeah absolutely and something so you've had a couple of parkour people on in the past i don't think any of them would have touched on it because maybe it's a bit corny or something but it 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 was a driving focus of the origins of parkour uh, the original like ethos the original motto so to speak was to be strong to be useful mm. and then a little in addition to that was uh, to be into last so uh so yeah to be strong to be useful to be into last the that was the ethos that is what attracted to me uh, yeah the cool jumps were one thing but the philosophy behind parkour that has dwindled away uh over the years and it's it is more about performance and it is more of a sport back then it was more leaning towards a martial art there was a philosophy there was a there was uh a yeah it wasn't just about the jumps they would challenge themselves physically in many different ways uh they said can we run to the next city can we carry this uh, big rock and get it over this wall can we jump from here to there and gradually over time parkour became more about yeah skewing more towards an extreme sport especially for some people um so if I was getting to parkour today, so let's say I was a kid and I got into parkour today, I'm not sure it would resonate with me in the same way because, yeah, the 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 to be strong to be useful really did resonate with me. Um, am I regularly using my parkour skills to be useful? Probably not. Not really. There's been a few instances, um, but it's a it's a another layer. Um, it's another. So what you just described isn't coincidence. It is kind of what's behind like I want to be able to choose to do anything physically and give it a good shot and be fine it might it could be more reckless it could be more sensible but anywhere in there I don't really doubt my body capability to do it um and that's useful that's to be to being strong to be useful like it if I if I need to labor for someone and they need stuff moving big hole digging I can put my strength to that um if I need to get somewhere, get away from someone, I can put my strengths to that. Um, kind of, yeah, that's uh, kind of original ethos is still something that I, that rings true to me and that I, I do like, it's not like at the forefront of my mind when training, but perhaps in the gym it is um, kind of very broad in my skill set and strengths. I'm, I'm definitely not a powerlifter um, and yeah, I spread myself very thinly across many different things and tried to get pretty good at a lot rather than really good at a few things. Mm. And I and I like the, the the be strong to be useful thought process because it kind of takes like like where and and maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe maybe not. You tell me, but here in the the, the states, it's it's very much like everything we're doing now is like to prevent injuries to like keep you safe you know like it, it's kind of like in this like preventing injuries thing whereas one of the things that you talked about and i don't know if it was a comment or one of your posts but you're like you said preparing for performance you know like preparing to be useful be strong to be useful and one i think that there's a huge psychological component to that for athletes it's like you always tell them they're gonna one like the, the want to do it like a kid doesn't want to do like clamshells and like whatever it is to stay safe they, they want to go do cool stuff like go talk to an 18 year old kid that doesn't make that doesn't mean you they're, they're the smartest but i'm telling you like what motivates them to train is not to like stay healthy it's to go do cool things it's it's to be strong to be useful 
to be strong, to be cool for them, you know, like whatever it is in there, like to climb their hierarchy that they have in their social setting. But um, so I think there's so many psychological pieces that that play a role into that, that we take away from these kids by trying to sell them something that one, we're not even we're not even able to sell like we're, we're not able to sell injury prevention, because again, like a freak injury could happen in, at any moment. Uh, and then you're taking that psychological component out of it. And you're also printing that into uh, I'm a, a huge believer in like the self fulfilling prophecy of this injury prevention method. It's like you take so much stuff away. And then obviously the part the sport of parkour is a really great example, but the sport of any team sport, you send them out there. It's like you take so much away and, and you bubble wrap them, but then you throw them out into a sport or an environment or life that isn't going to allow them to be bubble wrapped. And like somebody has to pay the cost there and it's the athlete. But at that time when they're paying the cost, you as a coach, you as the, the injury prevention specialist are so far away from your athlete that like nobody takes the blame for that, you know? So and I, I just feel like there's so many, so many bad so much bad that goes into this like injury prevention training rather than training for performance or or, or preparing the body for performance yeah it, it, good training is as close to injury prevention as you can get if you just level up the organism it's more resilient and it's going to handle what is thrown at it better um like you say, the, the clamshells or whatever, um, little things, they, they don't do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, I think mostly a waste of time, but the, it doesn't mean train, like you're not going to prevent injury, but like I say, level up the organism just because, why are you hyper-focused on injury? Why are you worrying about injury? If, if you're, if that's in the forefront of your mind, the performance isn't going to be that. I know that from like when you experience injury, that's the biggest hurdle you have to get over. Uh, the the fear of re-injury. Like I, I had a few years that really set me back with ankle injuries. Um, so I kept recurring ankle sprains on my left, and then it's almost like one day it switched and it was my right. I kept spraining for another year and a half, and it was maybe three years total where I couldn't get good training together. Everything was scarier because. Um, yeah, like you, uh, if my ankle can't take it, I can't do much in parkour. So my training suffered, and uh, psychologically, it was it was difficult to not be scared after that. So like, um, if before you've even got injured, you're worrying about staying injury free. I, yeah, how how are you going to perform at the highest level or the the best level you're capable of? Because it absolutely holds you back. If you like, when I was was it had injuries and was training again I wouldn't do things that I was capable of because what if what if I got hurt so if that is just your almost central premise to your training oh what if these people get hurt we can't afford that so we need to worry about injury prevention uh, versus oh getting them better uh, yeah more capable as human beings more capable like physical organisms that can yeah just prepared for whatever like because you if you if there's a freak injury probably none of your training is going to matter um but if you build yourself up you can handle the training you can become uh, a better athlete through your sport training because you can you can do more of it the games don't beat you up as much or or the, the performance side of things isn't uh, as big of an issue um because you yeah you've just it's kind of like the rpe of your sport just got less because you've leveled yourself up to the point where it's it's not a major issue i think yeah throughout like 
a lot of the best athletes make it look easy, even though it is physically demanding. It's yeah, you've got these freak athletes out there um, who are so physically capable without even training. And to me, that's what training is. I'm trying to get to that freak athlete uh, status so that I can do one on one because <laughs> it might it might take me might have taken me the last ten years to be uh, decent at things because uh, it definitely wasn't uh, genetics that allowed me to do anything. Um, but yeah, that, those people aren't worried about injury. Um, and it doesn't mean they can't get injured, but people, yeah, it, it, can, it can come out of anywhere for, for anyone. But uh, yeah, but it's not what they're worried about. So uh, yeah, okay. I don't think about injury at all. I've had I've had a bunch, but I have zero pain in my body at this point. Um, I've rehabbed everything I've ever injured myself with. No, no ongoing problems. I literally don't think about injury. I don't do anything for injury or injury prevention or anything like that at this point. The, 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 the one of the things that I, I loved about that rant was the, <laughs> like you, you are increasing your body's ability. So the RP of the sport, the RP of the stimulus is lower. And, and this is, this is, I think that gets to the core of it. It's like, we are doing that backwards. Like we understand, and everybody kind of understands this, that, that these injuries are caused by the RP of the sport being too high. The RP of a practice, the RP of the stimulus that caused the injury too high for the body to handle in that moment. Whether it's freak or not, but let's let's talk about not freak injuries, let's say. So the RP of the stimulus that hit the body was too high for the body. So, But then we kind of approach it in a backwards way of then we try to lower all of these RPEs, you know, but the RPE of the sport doesn't change. You know, you can change the RPE of your training, but the RPE of what they're actually required to do never actually change. So you lower that RPE, then you lower their ability, and then they still have to go face the same RPE that's required of them uh, rather than your approach to whereas if you just raise their own ability, then the RPE of the sport is lower to them. And, and you see, and I talk about this, and this is clicking with me because I talk about um, the, the psychological side of the game. And I talked to a lot of athletes about this. It's like a lot of times, like the site, all, all the psychological stress of a game is doing is like either raising the RP or lowering your own level. So let's play, let's say you normally play at an eight. The stress of the sport is just making you play at a six. Uh, and what most people will do with they'll sit in these, like the, the, these, the, they'll say, it's like a psych thing. I can do it in practice. I can do it, whatever. But they, they spend their time in other parts of, of the thing rather than just raising their own ability. And what, what, how I kind of view it is like, you have these Patrick Mahomes, you have these Tom Brady's, the American football stars of the world. And they are, they just constantly like they sit at a 12. So when they hit the stressors of a game psychologically, like they, then they're just playing at a 10, they're just better than you, you know, like, so like the RPE, the stress of everything else, it hits them less because they're better than you. And you are spending your time, and this is not to say every throw all of this out, but you are spending your time on like visualization and stuff like that, rather than getting better at your sport, technically, tactically, physically. Um, and they're just better than you. And that, that's why they're able to handle that. And that's why they're confident. It's the same thing as like talking to a girl. It's like, that guy's just, is not that he's more confident. He's just better at the skill of talking to a girl than you, you know, like, and I think there's a lot of pieces there that people get, we're, we're looking for that short hack. We're looking for the easy, like easy thing to do like oh if i just do this of it's like i i really think you need to spend 10 years getting better at your sport and then these things will happen but nobody nobody wants to sell that answer to kids yeah it's not it's not an easy sell over like it's uh yeah it, it takes time so you can't go it's not it's not happening in six weeks it's not happening in 12 weeks um 
which which changes the how you're going to approach training uh, how, how you're going to uh, move forwards and if you're if you're trying to set someone up for the most progress in six weeks what your program's going to look like is probably going to be different to uh if if in six years time there's that person still training um yeah what what you could how you the advice you'd give and how you'd guide that person if you have them for six years is going to look different to six weeks um and just building on what you said about uh or kind of uh yeah with the rpe stuff if we're using that kind of analogy um yeah but basically what i look for in 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 uh my training is ways to impart more stress um that i can recover from that's why i like the really like i'm looking for aggressive exercises or or uh, stimulus like uh yeah plyometrics to me are an aggressive um stimulus like that impact that collision does more than a slow smooth controlled squat does to the body so yeah you're not it, like without even i'm not even necessarily thinking about the spikes in force or whatever with the plyometric it's just um like yeah because so, so some benefits can be explained by Oh yeah, there is a lot of force. If you, if you're doing single leg uh, hopping or bounds, yeah, there's a lot of force because that that ground contact uh, ground reaction force is going to be super high. But um, yeah, it's just it's uh, it's it's more yeah that collisions impacts that does something different than lifting heavy or lifting fast or lifting for hypertrophy. Like um, yeah, there's I think there's so much value in that because it it prepares your you your yeah it, it prepares the body so much better because it's aggressive aggressive doesn't mean bad in my mind aggressive means literally it means good in my mind because i'm like oh if my body can handle that aggressive force anything tamer than that is fine and like like we say that that's what training for performance is in my mind uh, to be a hand be able to handle anything that comes up because uh in parkour yeah all variety all manner of uh contacts landings um yeah different types of impact different angles yeah yeah and obviously when things go wrong um different forms things like that they, they do happen they try like, they're fairly rare but they do happen but yeah that the the impact the aggressiveness of certain exercises is invaluable invaluable in my from my experience like it, it's just what i'm looking for um uh, so and i think they level up the organism the most in, in many ways yeah and i i totally agree and I, i've been working on like reviewing like thinking about the best way to do this because it's like and, and i'm still working on these thoughts so it's not perfect here but yeah. like i feel like a lot of strength coaches view like the car as this body and like we're this mechanic and it's like it feels so and that's why it's like the sets and reps and the volumes and like that's the main focus but to me it's like that aggression it's like it's more so like this computer that is downloading like new programs new uh, software and for it to do that you have to show it it can go somewhere you know so and that that's where I, why i really value sprints and depth drops and the these plyometrics and that's i really want to talk to you about the upper body plyometric plyometrics and ballistic type movements that you're doing too because 
it's like it's you're, you're just showing the body the showing the computer within the body showing the central nervous system whatever it is that it can go to that level and then from there everything kind of rises and and this is what i've noticed a massive thing too when i for a while i was doing basically just sprints and basically just high depth drops and all of my lifts were going insane like like that like that was a cool part it's like everything else was rising whereas if i'm just lifting just being a meathead i i, I add muscle and i do that but the actual like that the computer side of things, the actual functioning side, I'm not getting faster. I'm not jumping higher. I don't feel more explosive. I don't have that twitch that I get when I'm training like that. So I, I feel like there, there's so many pieces there that I, I feel like it's, it's more so how you view the body and the, the stimulus that you can give the body rather than viewing it as like this car that needs like volume and also just viewing it in this like very muscle centric way. Not that like you throw muscles out, but it's like, if we build bigger muscles, the American way of like, just get bigger, <laughs> you know, like the, the stop process, whereas like they can't, they can't see the stimulus that's in parkour. They can't see the stimulus and the, the, the way that it's leveling up the body in these, these high drops. They just, they, they don't see it because it's not sets and reps in volume. It's more so stimulus. It's more so leveling up the, or downloading a new software program for your, your computer that runs the system. Absolutely. Something in that, Kind of almost, I don't know if I could call it a philosophy, but just how I how I conceptualize training is, if my if I'm the target and all all the exercises, all the different modalities, whatever, whether it's hypertrophy, whether it's using plyometrics, whatever it is, that they're like um like I'm firing arrows, okay. So as long as I'm firing arrows from some kind of direction repeatedly and don't stop, I'm going to get better. Some of those arrows are going to miss. I'm going to try to do some things that don't work. That's fine. Um, but it doesn't matter because I'm going to fire another arrow tomorrow or another 10 arrows tomorrow. I'm just going to keep trying to hit the target with arrows, which are the stimulus. Um, the sets and reps become less relevant then because if I don't know how to do something, I don't know how best to program this or program that. I just do it. And then I figure it out as I go. I've shot fried the arrows. Some of them are missed. And I've gone, oh, maybe I need to do more volume here or less volume here um, and then those arrows start hitting and I start seeing the benefit and then I'm, I'll, I'll pivot and I'll start okay let's try this and I'm shooting arrows from a different direction so like a 360 from all angles uh, if I'm just continuous, continuously firing those arrows of stimulus I, I don't it's not that the specifics don't matter because they, they, they can but it's more it doesn't matter if I don't know how to best implement it because the arrow is going to be fired anyway to not stop in training. So, like, oh, does it? Do I need to, to ask someone? Oh, should I do five sets or ten sets? Like, it, it doesn't really matter. Start at three, build up. Start at ten, build down. Uh, fire the arrows, keep uh, the stimulus coming because I'm not stopping training. So it, it doesn't really matter. Like, it, it, it's gonna. Some of them are gonna miss. Some are gonna hit. Some are gonna be okay. That there. They're my arrows that I know work. I'm I'm keeping them on board. Some I'll disregard with more experience. Some I'll go, oh, let's try that again, see if we can execute better this time. But yeah, that that makes the small details less relevant because just do it, start, and something will happen or it won't happen. Um and you kind of begin to figure out, oh, why that something happened or why the, well you, you theorize at least. I think um yeah, you, if you pay attention, you find patterns, you see things that happen, like how many weeks you can train in a certain way before you need to deload or, or uh, how your recovery responds to certain things that you do. 
Um, yeah, I'm a big believer in trying to put together as many sessions together as possible before potentially needing a deload or um, kind of, yeah, it's just like how many can you string together? How many can you uh, get in that streak? Because um, that's where momentum builds. And the best training in my life has came when I've, I've tweaked, I've played around, I've, and then I found something and I just keep going with it, keep going with it, keep going with it. Um, I, earlier this year, I put on five kilos um, per month onto my deadlift performance uh, straight at, at up to three times body weight deadlift. So I'm no power lifter, but it's pretty heavy lift. It's, it's, it's respectable. Uh, same with like one arm chin ups. I, I've been able to do up to seven one arm chin ups. Um, and I put on, I added a rep to my one arm chin ups every month for, uh, for four months so I went from one to being able to do five in four months um because it's almost uh it, yeah it becomes predictable and you can you, you can find what's working you actually know what's working if you're paying attention and you do what's working and then it will stop and you you change it up um and you do something slightly different but those consecutive sessions end up compounding well that's been my experience i can really get the ball rolling and end up what like a few short months down the line completely different capabilities at something because i found actually found what worked it wasn't uh stabbing in the dark i kind of worked it out um for that period of time at least well and i, and I think one of the big pieces of that philosophy that is going to get kind of overlooked or may get overlooked is the ability to admit that you're going to miss some of your arrows. Like, 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 I think, I think that is so important because it's like, we we have so many coaches. It's like, like we have, we have a singular arrow that we are going to shoot and we feel like we're going to hit the target no matter what. And this is the paradox is like, we shoot that target and we miss all the time with our athletes because a lot of times, like it doesn't like these linear, like these perfect linear periodization, you know, like in these colleges, it's like you, you see right in front of you, it's not working with your athletes. But then instead of saying, okay, I missed the arrow, the program didn't work. It's, it's the kid's fault. You like, there's so many things you throw it on. So it's not you just missing the arrow. But so like, this is what I feel like we really got to get to is, the ability to admit that we are going to miss the arrow, we are going to miss the mark. It's not going to work perfectly with everybody. So then, then when we do that, we can like we can grab a different arrow and we can shoot from a different angle and we do something different and we can try rather than continue. It's like it's like we're continually running our head through the wall because we are unwilling to admit that sometimes we miss, sometimes we're wrong, sometimes we need to adjust, sometimes we need to shoot from the side a little bit. So like you know, like we, we just we just don't have that ability to do that because we get in a way or. And I think more importantly, because we've been told for so long that if you follow this, this is exactly what's going to happen because it was told to you in a book. It's like, okay, but actually do it, like actually try it and actually be open-minded about, did that actually happen? Probably not. Maybe, maybe it did. And then (laughs) maybe look into it and grab it uh, and maybe try to repeat it and see what happens. But a lot of times that's, it just really doesn't happen that way. Yeah. It doesn't play out the way that the textbook says. (laughs) And yeah, I'm fully on board with that. I, I've always liked the bad scientists in training, the Louis Simmons, the Caldeeds, like, because I really respect them. But it's not that they're trying to find the, the magic bullet or whatever it is. Like, it's just that there are more ways. There's more, more possibilities and everything stops working. Um, you, you can't just do the same thing forever and it continues to work. So I see it as like, 
yeah trying out new things like that that's a that's a big part of my training yeah a lot, a lot of it's serious but uh, and like thought out and planned and but there's always time for an experiment or uh mess around with something that i think might be a good idea like i said i have no idea how i'm going to implement it but i just start doing it and see what i think always like, yeah like kind of through doing things you get that practical information that you need and like there's nothing magical about uh Prilipin's table or any of the sports science that's came before they just observe things and sort of what tried to see if it was recreatable and they go yeah three to five ish reps is good for strength but it doesn't mean you don't get strong when you one rep max it doesn't mean you don't get stronger when you do eights it's it's blurry and they've just gone generally speaking it's in here and most of the experiments I do, I do fall into similar. There's only so many uh, variables that you can manipulate. So things tend to fall into kind of zones that match up with some of the tra traditional sports science. Um, but yeah, say with the depth drop, I don't believe the Russians went as high as I have. So where's the research? We don't, we don't have that uh, Philippines table of depth drops to outline what the effects are. So like lots of people were saying about, um, oh yeah, you're only meant to drop from a height that you can jump higher than or jump equal to. And it's like, says who? Like why, why would it like, yeah, okay. If I wanted a ground contact, a short ground contact time, yes, I would probably do that. Because then people were saying, um, oh, your ground contact time is too slow. Is it? Is it my focus? No, not really. My, my, my aim with the drop is literally more so just to find out how high I can drop from and reverse it the ground contact time isn't in the equation in my mind it's not what I'm training I will do something better that works better for that um so it's kind of like you have to accept certain premises um in the first place but yeah people don't kind of question the original premise like I, I don't care about the ground contact time so that the, the heights outlined originally aren't relevant to what I'm doing right now. They, they can, might be at another time, but they're not right now. I don't care about it. I'm not, it's not crossing my mind whether I'm on the floor for too long. Well, and, and, the... Sorry, Karen. No, sorry. I got a little leg. I'm in the middle of, yeah. I was talking about, I'm in this uh, small town over here. So it's super, uh, super <laughs> little bit leggy, but that, that, that makes me think it's like, and this is why I love having people like you on. It's like, you are a walking paradox, you know, like it's the walking paradox of, the textbook says this, you are showing them right in front of their eyes that, okay, <laughs> it's wrong. I'm yeah. doing something different. Uh, and this is like, I think it's Brett Weinstein that says this. It's like paradoxes are X's on the map to be explored, uh, except we ignore them all the time. It's like, oh, just write it off. Oh, something else is wrong. It's like, okay, there's something, obviously there's something here. Like it's real life right in front of our eyes, right there to be explored. Like what's happening here? And I just, I just find that so interesting. And then somebody that's able to, put themselves into those like purposely put themselves into the paradoxes like this is something that I did for I maxed out every single day for six months straight and continually hit PRs without deloading like that was my entire like thing it's like we we say so many things we we just like we just spit them out and we regurgitate them and we just say them it's like is it true I, I, I don't know I'm gonna go find out Let, let's go find out let's go see oh it's not and then when we find out it's not to and that doesn't mean there's no truth there that doesn't mean there's no general knowledge there that doesn't mean there's any gold nuggets nuggets there but now we now we know okay th there's something else here there's another way there's something to be explored here 
and this, if this was a field of like physics where like we are it's something like the quantum realm like this is the, the the quantum realm that's being discovered it's like we had this set realm of like physics for the longest time and then we found paradoxes okay something is not adding up here something's not adding up and then they found a totally new realm that will change the world and in our field of strength conditioning where like our certification you can study three weeks for and go past we sit and like no we know better like when we're smarter than that nope there's nothing else there it's like man what are we what are we talking about yeah i i got a comment on that video saying something like this will do zero for your explosive capabilities <laughs> or zero for your jumping capabilities and it's like well i'm it isn't my aim to jump better because of this drop like I have to take impacts. Um, I'm interested in how much impact I can take, but also at the same time, I'm currently the most explosive I've ever been. That's measured by jumps that haven't changed and I couldn't do previously and now can do. So zero, is it really zero? Because I'm pre feeling pretty powerful. It's not even the aim of why I'm doing it, but it seems to be doing something. And yeah, I haven't isolated all the variables. Um, but it's not, there's, I've had zero detrimental effects. Um, and like I say, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm jumping a little bit less than I typically would because some of the jumps are taken up by drops alone. So my jumping volume is lower. Uh, my lifting volume is pretty low. Um, yeah, I'm the most explosive I've ever been. So maybe there's something there. I can't say for sure, but it's it's not a, oh, this is, a failed experiment it's oh this is interesting this is promising um but yeah so we're fully on the same page there well so the, and then i want to get to something before before we end the podcast and this is something that will like a lot of people would look at and would say the same thing like oh why are you doing that that's not doing any any good but it's those upper body ballistics and the upper body plyometrics that not a ton of people are doing but we have implemented and we've seen a ton of really really great results with and i see that you're doing a really a lot of really cool stuff with like even the the, the band um assisted into it um and, and pushing a lot of the, the the avenues there with the with the hand shoulders wrist uh and just upper body in general so can i talk to you about that like how, how are you implementing those things how did you why did you start implementing them how are you using them what are some of the things that you you've kind of experienced with implementing some of these upper body ballistics so I know you've got a little bit of beef at the minute with uh, this person, but I'm going to say the name anyway. Um, I got to cut this now. That's <laughs> teasing. That's teasing. Uh, Grant Fowler was my, was the reason why I started doing them. Um, and then I carried on because like I saw insane benefits. Um, so again, do I know the best way to do it? Maybe not, but consistently doing, doing them is step one. Um, and, um, yeah, like I kind of, so I, 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 I do it in numerous different ways, but what one way is kind of like, I will almost kind of dynamic effort type, like waves. Um, and so, so today I was doing some, uh, like band accelerated, um, and I might do like keep, keep a, fairly static um volume like that five by five let's say that um and over three weeks increase the band tension so i'm being accelerated more um and a lot of it is kind of subjective i i just feel like i can resist the impact better 
Um, but then where it shows up mostly is in my parkour training. Um, so much is made up of collisions um, in the upper body. Um, so yeah, certain vaulting movements, my output just went through the roof. Um, could, I could now easily make things that were maximum before. Mm. And I could feel through the arms, but that like that uh, ability to resist um, deformation, like kind of stay stiff, um, huge, huge uh, impact. Um, but then, and then the, the other kind of way that I approach it is kind of almost taking something. Um, Matt Watson plus pliers. He's he tiered his plyometrics for the lower body, so uh, things in different ranges, um, like kind of shallow ranges, medium ranges, and deep deeper ranges. And I do that with the plyometrics. So the deeper ranges, uh, kind of say more like deficit based plyo push ups. Um, kind of yeah, in a deeper range down here. Yes, definitely feels like stresses the shoulders and the chest more. And then more shallow, like stiff arm plyometrics um, for the upper body, kind of, yeah, much more kind of hand, wrist and elbow dominant. They're all desirable to me because I need to deal with that impact. I need to handle that collision. The better I can handle that collision, uh, the further I go or the, the easier I make things. Yeah. And, and this is something that like you hear a lot um, when, when you're implementing some of these upper body plyometrics, it's like, it, it, again, it, I mean, I guess it's the same argument as lower body. It's like, it, you're going to break. If you do that, you're going to, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's like, like, like what I'm required in this, especially in American football or I'm pretty much any team sports, like go look at their team sport. Like they're required to punch and do this stuff with their hands and upper body repeatedly over and over again and, and i feel like it's just one of the biggest especially in american football and parkour is a really good example too it's like i, I, I parkour is a little bit different because there's not like a huge training sector whereas like a coach is preparing them for this um yeah. but like american football it's like and parkour would be the same way it's like we do all these things to prepare you for sport and then we just miss a huge chunk of it you know <laughs> like it's like okay well you're going to be required to punch this human um or fall on the yeah. ground or like catch yourself um but we're not we're not going to do any of that because you you could something we think something bad's going to happen. So we're going to barbell bench press. Um, we're only going to do it in this one way, and then we're going to send you out to a sport in which like now your hands, shoulders, like if I don't if you look at like a high school and college athlete now, it's like their hands, shoulders, wrist, man, it's it's incredible like how underdeveloped they are and how and the other cool thing is how quickly they become developed when you start implementing upper body plyometrics and crawls and climbs like those are the three things we've changed and you can see these hands and these forearms completely change like it's like they look like a grown man where before they look like they have these like ripped upper bodies like they're, they're, they're jacked they have great quads like they, they look like a specimen and then you look at their hands and they look like a 14 year old it's like what is happening here but like of course it's happening because you you never really train it you never really use it and i feel like it's such a a big thing that we are skipping in our development aspect for our athletes uh for i really i really don't know the reason i really don't know why we're doing maybe it's just because it looks outside the box or it's not something that's taught but it seems something like if you're just looking at the sport and looking at what's required of these athletes it should be common sense it's like okay they're, they're doing these things in training and in sport why are we not preparing them for that yeah i've, I've heard arguments like oh the, the wrist isn't designed the same way as the ankle so upper plyometrics are bad uh you're gonna injure your wrist 
I think any, I think most people who have done upper body plyometrics would like extensively would agree that you don't really feel your wrists. The wrists aren't the yeah. problem area. It goes way more to the shoulders. So that kind of argument to me screams that, yeah, you've never done it. So you're just having an opinion on something you don't know about because it doesn't reflect reality. Everyone, like if I was worried about, if I was going like trying to push the um, upper body plyometrics and do more, some more extreme variations, I would not be concerned with my wrist getting injured. I'd be concerned with my shoulders getting injured. I was doing like pike handstand push-up plyometrics. Um, so like, yeah, full range, you know, like a pike handstand push-up as a progression to a handstand push-up. Were you dropping into, like you were dropping into a pike pretty so, much? No, I was doing like repeated handstand push-up jumps. Okay, and I hurt okay. my shoulder. Yep. Um, so like, as in the, the pike was to reduce the loading, but it was still too much. But like I was doing them for several weeks. Um, so yeah, like a, a ballistic overhead. Like, yeah, I don't have a super cat to throw above my head repeatedly, which I'd love. But uh, so I tried try to mimic it with handstand push-ups. And yeah, I, I hurt my shoulder. I flew a little bit too close to the sun and rehabbed it was fine. So yeah, I'm not concerned about the wrist not being designed to take that impact because it takes it fine and don't feel my wrists. I think... We get a, natu- a lot of, over the years had a lot of exposure to that in parkour all the different hand positions bars walls uh climbing anything and everything vaulting lots of vaulting so lots of impacts on uh, the hands um things like although climbing isn't directly parkour necessarily like you do a lot of climbing and we used to do back in the day just kind of endurance challenges like the sports center in my hometown the back of it was the whole it was it's a long way but it's all traversable not on super hard uh handholds it's not like advanced climbing but to get from one end to the other crazy endurance challenge um for, never had a forearm pump like it from anything else um because you you would quit you would quit if you weren't trying to get to the end um if you were doing just pretty wrist curls or something you, you'd stop you, would, you wouldn't go as far as we'd push on that. And so, yeah, over the years, I've had a lot of preparation. Also, handstands, fairly um, competent at handstands. So from a little kid, I've balanced on my hands. So I guess I, I probably had better preparation to do them than a lot of people. But it doesn't mean you just can't prepare from the point you're at now. And you just take it more sensibly progress more steadily um, build it out level up like i say the, the organism and you'll have no issues um implementing them there's there's unlimited ways to pro- if you can't think of a way to regress something or progress something uh, yeah what what yeah like there's always a slightly easier way um do that first if you can't do the full version that, that that's the, the the little clip you had there of if you can't think of a way to progress or regress like that's <laughs> i hear that so many times with a lot of like even just like simple body weight stuff or like a hand like let's say a handstand thing it's like well yeah you, but you can't progress that past a certain. it's like no you can't progress that past a certain point like it's just because you're not <laughs> yeah. thinking well like everything that we do in the weight room is progressible and every movement is like progressible regressible like that's literally our entire job is progress and regress yeah, that's why i mean like it like if you're struggling to do that, to regress or progress someone, that's it. Like you say, it is the main component of the job because 
whether you do five reps or whether you do three reps doesn't really matter. We're just arbitrary, not arbitrarily, but we're just deciding. We're just making decisions and getting that person to do it. But if they can't do whatever movement for three reps or five reps, it doesn't matter what reps you uh, choose. You need to be able to find an entry point. Um, and that, that's something I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've got a wide perspective. Like I've learned a bit from, a lot from parkour, I've learned from powerlifting, I've learned from sports performance, I've learned from bodybuilding, I've learned from strongman. Like I, I take whatever is useful uh, and I'll gladly steal that. Um, so the exercise library or the progression, regression library in my mind is definitely uh, pretty full. And that, like, that's something I've kind of imagined struggling with because uh, it's been a long time probably since I didn't have that net, the, the regression on hand just an instant okay we can't do this we'll try this um yeah so broader broader influence i think is a big big help if you if you've only seen the way a, a football coach coaches um that's all you're going to select from and i think that's like one of your big things like look elsewhere look look broader um we don't need to stick to just purely the, you called it like the American strength training model. Um, there's so much more out there as well. Yeah, that 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 part's so good too because it is, and it and it's it's hard because it like one of the hard parts is like when you're in it, it's like you don't even know you're in it. Like like you because because and I thinking fast and slow was really good for me to like give a little bit of late leeway to a lot of people there because it's frustrating when you're out of it it's like okay like why how is that all you see like what but when you're in it like what you see is all there is you know so it's like you literally have to be shown a different way to know a different way uh and and i think that's one of the reasons that i'm so outspoken about it is because and, and knowing myself and my own personal background is like when, when i started off in the field it, it's all i knew and it wasn't it wasn't that I was even fighting the parkour world or fighting like a martial arts world or fighting a movement world. It's that I didn't even know it was there or grabbable from because all I knew was my own world. And that's obviously the same now. It's like in 10 years, I won't even know like what I don't know right now. So like yeah. and that but that's one of the big things about like the paradoxes and pointing out stuff is like it being shown to you. And I had a really good mentor at St. Thomas in Stuborn. And like, that's all he slowly did was just show me stuff. It's like, all right, you're saying that, but you know, basically, basically would slide a study or slide a piece of paper over to him. He's like, what about this? You know, you know, and like gradually having your vision and your glasses changed, um, which, which I think is, is one of the most powerful things you can do as, as a coach, as, as a mentor for your athletes and for, and for other coaches that you're working with is just like, try to show a different, different way to view the world, not show them the right way. Cause that that's, Again, it's not saying my way of viewing the world is right, you know, like because I yeah, think that that's where it's change too over time. I mean, things will shift and change. You'll change uh, your perspective on things. Kind of maybe you'll even go back to the things you once thought and then disregarded. And yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's about the only thing that's guaranteed that things will change. So um, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm never one to uh, what's the what's the saying like plant my flag in the ground and say this this is where I'm staying this is it because yeah I've gone so down so many different rabbit holes whether it's like gymnastic strength training or is that extreme flexibility work um to yeah like now I'm all about the, the power development and being more explosive um 
yeah, I've gone so many different ways and each one has showed me something different and that has kind of disrupted the other one. But so that, that's always been a big thing for me. I like to train in competing directions just to almost know it's possible. So um, it's, uh, it's called a stall depress or stall depress and um, straddle out sit to handstand. Um, that was one of the hardest things that I ever learned to do. It took me three years to get because I was so bad at it. And I, I, stuck with, I can't quit, so I stuck it out for three years. Um, and then what became the goal was to be able to still depress on three times bodyweight deadlift in the same session. So heavy legs, big, stiff powerlifters aren't going to be able to do gymnastics. I, I'm a smaller person. Um, I've got the gymnastic skills. I want to be able to lift heavy as well. They're pulling in direct opposite um, directions. And... Yeah, so earlier this year is when I finally ticked off that three times bodyweight deadlift. I don't even train the stool depress or think about it, but um, can now just do it still. Um, so kind of, yeah, can't get too... Gymnastics and powerlifting, opposite ends of the spectrum. Same with like squatting and one-arm pull-ups. Um, like heavy legs don't help you be good at uh, pulling. They hinder it. Like calisthenics guys don't train the legs as much uh, to, to give them an advantage. I've gone, yeah, extreme opposite directions to, I think there's lots to unearth there as well. You kind of figure stuff out. How, how can you train broadly and widely um, things that are competing? Like how, how, how do we figure out the problem of recovery for those things? Or, or this, how, what's the best way to set things up? Um, so yeah, that's, I think having that broader perspective, because I didn't get into training through say bodybuilding. I, di I didn't know, I, I could, other than Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't know if I can name another bodybuilder, which is obviously the way in for so many people. These days, powerlifting is pretty popular too. Um, but I, I got in through parkour training, wanting to jump further, jump high. There wasn't the information 10 years ago out there. Uh, so I took some of the bodybuilding, took some of the powerlifting. Yeah, went everywhere looking for the answers, trying to figure it out. And uh, eventually put it all together in a way that, yeah, I know I can make myself better and I, can, I know I can make other people better as well because of that broad um, influence from all different types of areas. Yeah, that, 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 that's 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 freaking everything, man. Like that, 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 that the wide variety, the, the range of pros to absorb what is useful, disregard what isn't, uh, create what is like your own. I, I feel like you, you are able to learn so much more because that, that was, that was pretty much my whole journey of like going from the meathead to like, okay, like I understand I can do that. Now I want to see like everything else that your body's capable of doing and then proving to yourself too. It's like that your body is capable of doing that. That that is yeah. so much so much deeper than the the physical side of it, but the psychological side of that's how you get to the point of where you're jumping off a 96 inch box because you've proven yourself that your body is capable, which which is in this circle of of people that are listening to this podcast or um, even strength coach. Like there's, it, it's much more willingly accepted that the, the the body is resilient, the body is capable. But you you branch out to the general population, you branch out to uh just just the normal person and that is not the thought process that is going on i work with this uh, i worked with this um it was like a middle school like kind of baseball hockey like group and the coaches like they're just dads like they're not actual coaches they're just dads they're really and they're really phenomenal people but uh, like a lot of their message was basically like 
subliminally that the body is not capable. It's like, don't die for that ball. Don't be the hero. Make sure you wear your brace. Like it was all these like protective mechanisms because they are good people because they want to like see their kids. But it's like, it, it's such a different philosophy. Um, and watching where that philosophy goes is, is dangerous because it's like, okay, you, you tell that kid that at eight and he gets in his head that the body's not capable. Mm-hmm. Like what's that look like when he's, when he's 16 or 25 or 30 or 40 uh and like i really see it in my peer group now it's like some of the like they're complaining about old age and they're complaining about things they're not capable it's like guys we are 26 and 27 years old we are literally in the prime of our like physical and you're complaining that you're not able to like it blows my like what does that look like in 40 years like that is so much deeper than being physically capable of doing cool feats and more so the health aspect of you guys are actually going to be so sick and so unable to do things. Um, and, and it's not because you're bad people or anything like it's because this message has been beaten into you by culture and society. And there, there's nobody really speaking against it. And then that that's where it's really, I feel like, man, that's why I have a passion for it because it's like that it, it goes deeper than doing cool things. I want to do cool things. I'm passionate about doing cool things. I want to jump off that 96 and box and I want to do it. But you, you look at the other end of it and like when you're, and you're not pursuing that, it's like, man, like those body, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy if your body is not going to be able. And then what? And then what, man? Like then your body's going to start to shut down. Then you're going to be sick. Then you're like, you, you have so many bad things that can happen. And it really just doesn't have to happen that way. Yeah, so you you can prolong prolong your physical performance and your physical capabilities for so much longer than you see. You see these random videos that go viral of like an eighty five year old like grandma or great grandma doing like doing insane things. Or like, oh, there's these crazy videos of uh, old men working out in, in China on the parks, uh, doing giants around the bar, do, doing like crazy like it's one of the most impressive videos i've probably ever seen these guys look like they're 70 80 90 years of old oh doing the splits in the park kind of um yeah pretty advanced gymnastics kind of calisthenics types things and like i saw in the comments people saying oh yeah because they they can't rely on the healthcare system there that certain people at least try to look after themselves so these people just never stop they've got their morning routine where they're down this park doing their calisthenics and stretching and they just keep going until they're 70, 80, 90. And they, they maintain it. And it, it's, uh, I don't know if you've seen those videos, but they're super impressive. Like stuff that, yeah, at any age is impressive to be able to do. And that old people doing it. Uh, so, yeah, I, can't, I have no doubt that you can prolong your physical capabilities longer than what is commonly accepted. Um in society really yeah and i have a i have a 77 year old grandpa that i like if we met on the street and we didn't know each other i guarantee he could beat my ass so i guarantee like i it's i see it firsthand and I, I like we have another side of the family that is not like but like the the one grandpa that is approaching like fitness in that way and has that thought process and probably thinks he's a little bit too invincible like that's how he approaches like he, he thinks he's 20 but but that, like, that's so much, i think that's so much better i'd rather like an older relative not have any concerns about their <laughs> yeah. like, kind of how capable they are rather than all the doubts creeping in and then they stop doing things and they, they begin to age um much quicker once they stop slow down yeah yeah i couldn't agree more well uh, chris this, this this was freaking awesome this, this lived up to the hype this lived up to the 96 inch <laughs> 1 million view uh 1 million view uh video so thank you 1, for being 1. on 1.2 1. million <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being on this was awesome wicked good talking to you man
Thank you guys for listening. Keep dropping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.